0: heard suicidal justice from till death do us unite and code red from the album code red from sodom this is our international thrash series part two sodom recommended podcast i am mark and i'm jason
1: we're calling this the sodom comeback if you will but we're putting that in quotes because i don't want you to think that sodom went anywhere but just kind of uh
2: and get your kind
0: of- uh, get your head out of the gutter too
1: yeah, yeah, they kind of they come <laughs> into their yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: well done, well played.
1: Um, they're kind of entering their golden era, like they're the, the twilight years, and yet somehow they kind of rediscover the magic, and and they've they've had a pretty good run in the last kind of couple decades, and uh, not a lot of bands of the '80s can say that, you know. So that's uh,
0: pretty cool. It's always uh, impressive the longevity of extreme metal bands
1: yeah absolutely
0: absolutely you know 19 plus you know i think they're i think they're are they at 19 full length they're, they have an incredible amount of full lengths
2: yeah but it's, like
0: it's pretty wild they have way more than you know than megadeth or metallica yeah <laughs> or were exodus yeah. for that matter
1: yeah and uh you know for people that maybe didn't check out part one you should probably check out part one because <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of the band history and the members and all that kind of uh, pertinent information because we're not going to like revisit too much of that stuff we're going to kind of just assume that people are kind of, you know, traveling over from part two. But, uh, you know, in part one, we kind of talked about the origins of the, you know, the Teutonic thrash movement, um, which we'll be spending a lot more time on throughout this international thrash series. We definitely will be looking at creator and destruction and uh, probably tanker and, and some of the other. Uh, there's there's some also hidden gems in the German uh, thrash scene, too, that I want to kind of cover
0: as well kind of a few would you throw a running wild in there
1: i don't know if i would throw them in there because they they're that's a whole other thing and we should do a pirate metal running wild like episode uh for sure um
0: well their first their first two were kind of like fairly Almost influential with like in black, black, black metal too yeah, yeah yeah for sure then they kind of went off i'm, the, I'm thinking like
1: zoomer and um there's a few other there's there's some other kind of i think pro, projector is another band um there's there's a pretty good list i've got of, of some cool stuff but um holy moses is pretty interesting with female vocals in germany
0: you know? okay i'm not from i've um, heard that name i've never listened to them.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of fun. And that's where the one guitar player came from uh, who was on. Uh, where did my old notes go? Uh, not tapping the vein. I think. Uh, where would he come?
0: Oh, geez. I had it. Well, there was uh, that dude that came from. Um, I'm looking at my old notes now, too. <laughs>
1: I think it was after Frank left. Uh, they brought in. Oh, no, it's the drummer. It's the drummer that replaced uh, Witch Hunter. Uh, He came from Holy Moses, atomic uh, Steve. He came from Holy Moses and living death, which are two kind of German.
0: Yeah. Michael Hoffman from um, was on better off dead was from assassin. Oh, okay. There you go. Yep.
1: And so, yeah, so this is kind of like, you know, we, we left off part one for people. uh, They're so inclined with masquerade and blood. And we kind of talked about these records in the mid nineties that were, you know, kind of groove metal ish. And, they're not records I've spent a lot of time with and they might be better than I think they are. And so I am fully admitting that maybe I just haven't spent enough time with those, but the whole idea was that, you know, a lot of metal bands who were established eighties acts kind of got lost in the mid nineties and kind of had to find their way. Sodom never really got lost. They kind of kept on the track, but um, just, you know, some, some records more memorable, I guess, than, than others. And it's really interesting because with 1997's Till Death to Us Unite and especially 99's Code Red, Thrash was kind of making a comeback. And so it's almost like Sodom kind of stayed the course and were rewarded for it in a way that a lot of bands lost the course and tried to play to different trends maybe or tried different things. But like something's kind of in the air, you know, Haunted, uh, Witchery. You know, Testaments kind of making a comeback with The Gathering, which had, you know, Dave Lombardo and uh, James Murphy and, and you know, just a really potent lineup. Um, you know, do you kind of remember that in the late 90s, that kind of like kind of thrash revival that almost kind of came on the wave of like at the gates and,
0: and some of the stuff that they sort of brought yeah. back? Yeah, that and like also like the the power metal, traditional metal was coming back.
3: Yeah. So like, you yeah. know, power Hammer metal Fall. was come back with like Hammerfall.
0: Yeah. yeah. So there was like, I, there was that era where I don't know if people knew what the hell to do with, they, they thought it was just going to keep changing and changing and changing, and that's what you needed to do. And now, hmm. like, even look at like Priest's career, like now they're not trying to be modern and, you know, trying to make any, you know, trying to fit in with anything like they're it's themselves.
2: Trends, yeah.
0: So yeah, like, you know, like Firepower, you know, fits in better than a lot of some of their other records, do, like, you know, like Nostradamus or some of their... More more turd offerings, but yeah. I feel like like now that's is a different kind of aesthetic second record they did with Ripper, um, Demolition. Demolition. That was a, yeah. a dog, but, yep. um, but yeah, like a, like a, what the hell was the, I'm trying to think what the one was um, something something Redeemer or fuck I don't even remember now. Oh, Angel Angel, Angel of Retribution. Ripper. Retribution. Yeah, that's <clears> a great one. Yeah, yeah, like they only had a little bit of a dip, but even like you know. Something like with something like uh, like Turbo, like they were trying new things. And, you know, that's still like one of the songs that's always in their repertoire when they play. But we were definitely in a weird spot (laughs) where
1: I think like, I don't know. I kind of remember when that like witchery haunted stuff like started to like come back on the horizon. Suddenly it was cool to like be doing like thrash again, you know?
0: Yeah. And
2: it brought like
0: like, I think an awareness of merciful faith that had been kind of lacking for quite a while.
1: Sure. Yep. Yep. There's that that came in and I think it brought like a younger fan base back to thrash. And, um,
0: yeah, you had your entry point bands.
1: Yeah. I'm not saying like Sodom necessarily like appealed to like a younger fan base, but like, it almost is like with those two records, they, they were like in the right place at the right time doing the right things. And they were kind of justly rewarded for it. Whereas like, Oh, you know, your Megadeths and some of the bands that kind of went off and did some other weird things or, You know, I'm not saying, you know, Megadeth has kind of figured out their own path throughout the 2000s, I suppose, but it's just, there's a little bit of a tainted legacy sometimes with some of the the American thrash acts or what destruction
0: did or. I mean, even like look at Anthrax, you know, like they, they did uh, like a weird off ball move that I think is one of their best records. But after that, I think it kind of starts to, hmm, there's like diminishing returns.
1: Yeah, it's, that's a weird era. Um, you know, I'm always, I, I, you know, someday I'd love to re-explore Anthrax and really look into some of that stuff because it's like, that's a weird era. But anyways,
0: yeah, I mean. Well, I'll say Sound of White Noise, I think is great. Anything after that's, yeah. Well, I think the the
1: Joey comeback records were great. Those uh, Worship Metal and, and some of that stuff in the late 2000s.
0: They're good, uh, but they also fall into that thing for me where I'd rather go back and listen to Among the Living. Hmm. Okay. Or persistence of time, like the, and, and honestly, that's the same thing with like priest maidens on the, on a different track, because ever since brave new world, uh-huh. that's kind of like the whole second chapter of their career. So I like to, and it's, it's kind of, it's pretty distinct and I still go back and revisit a lot of that stuff, but. Yeah, Anthrax I think, not so much I, I have a kind of like love-hate relationship with anthrax too. Yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, I think there's songs that are good in the
1: mid to late 90s, but albums, it's tougher. It's like yeah, you know, they're not consistent records and stuff. But um yeah, it's interesting. I think I, I would almost put Sodom into the like Iron Maiden camp because I think like the second act that really begins, especially with Code Red and M16, is almost like a Brave New World thing where it's like you mm-hmm. can you could totally be a fan of Sodom from like Code Red forward and not really care about their early stuff, and that's still a pretty good catalog,
0: you know. Like yeah, and that could have been people's you know entry point.
1: Yeah, so it's it's, it's kind of interesting, but um, you know the um, uh, burned coast burneman is his name, uh, B E R N D uh, K O S T. So my apologies. Uh, he joins on guitar, and he's gonna be there through 2016's decision day. So, you know, a 22-year kind of reign, um, which kind of helps the band tremendously. I mean, it's the most consistent guitar player they've ever had in their career. And I think he really locks down kind of a certain sound um, that's going to kind of,
0: you know, kick in. I um, okay, yeah. brings in like a melodicism that wasn't there before. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Similar like what ago. Creator did a little bit like in the early 2000s too, where like melody really kind of took a forefront. Well, and this
1: is a time where like melody mixed with thrash is like the right formula. And again, Arch Enemy. Well, Arch Enemy, but also like the metalcore shit that was like oh, yeah. playing a melody, but mixed with like at the gates, thrashy riffs and things like that. So in yeah, it was kinda, yeah, that's all over the place. Yeah, a sweet spot there. And then they bring in another guy, Bobby uh, Shotkowski, and he's going to join on drums for 14 years so we've got like a pretty solid lineup by the time kind of code red happens they've actually had time to fully gel because those guys kind of come in right like right before till death do us unite and i think till death you do us unite is a pretty good record but to me it's like the appetizer for what's about to happen with code red m16 and and things kind of moving forward the the title uh the you know the sodom record in 2006 and so you know what you just heard in kind of the opening with Suicidal Justice and Code Red is, you know, you can kind of hear with Suicidal Justice, like, that fun thrash energy starting to come back. Uh, Tom's bass is very pummeling. It really it's is right haunt. up front in the mix,
0: too.
2: Yeah,
1: it's right up front in the mix. It reminds me of a Haunted song from, like, 97, 98, 99, you know, mm-hmm. especially the solo. Uh, but there's even some, like, DRI kind of crossover suicidal moments kind of on it, too. So oh, like, you uh, think, like, One Kill
0: Wonder era?
2: yeah
1: yeah exactly that kind of stuff yep yep absolutely i think it's it's kind of got that for sure and then you know code red the title track from code red which we're gonna kind of talk about here in a second like you can feel it with that opening riff it's like rejuvenation in that song you know and cohesion like this is a band that's like kind of they've you know they've had like a couple years to like write together and work together and if you think about it like at the end of part one all I was talking about in those last two sets was, all right, this guitar player left and this guy comes in and this guitar player left and this guy comes in. Like <laughs> that's a lot on Tom, you know, Tom's <clears> got <throat> to put like, a lot of those pieces together on his own and be like the sort of uniting force. And now Tom has a cast of characters he can rely on, you know? Yeah. And you know, he hasn't really had that since like Frank and Witch witch hunter, you know, kind of together for those kind of, you know, know four or five years or whatever so
0: yeah um, but I, it's it's different too with like the as, as bands age like that to like some of those people you associate so much with them initially were only there for four years yeah. or something and yeah. then these other guys come in for you know 20 yeah. or I mean, Burnham, 14 Burnham is crazy
1: yeah he's he's like you know i mean he's like the guitar player for sodom but it's only been you know in this like 99 or 97 to like you know, 2016 era or whatever. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But like the thing I like about Burnaman is um, you can hear it on Code Red. The title track is a lot of Slayer tendencies, and yes,
0: I get, saw that as well. Uh, I heard those pinch well.
1: harmonics and things like that, noisy solos. You know, like which goes with the war metal themes. You know, kind of die bombs and a lot mm-hmm. of. The sort of stuff i mean there's like a black magic breakdown in code red that's pretty fucking fun and cool and evil and uh, you know that's that's you know i you know me i like slayer oh yeah <laughs> so you know But yeah i do have a <laughs> there's not a lot of people that can like mimic that caustic kind of energy and still sort of be fun and catchy like, that's the perfect thing about slayer is like you can slayers intimately listenable and still super fucking noisy with their solos and and some of the things that like, especially Carrie King does, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Slayer at the gates, like witchery pulls into some of that as well, yeah. but yep. there's not, there's only a handful of bands that to manage to keep it going. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, so I think, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're, we're sort of starting with the premise here is that, you know, in a lot of ways, um till death to us unite is where like the lineup comes in but they could really the cohesion happens on code red and uh we're kind of off to the races with this sort of like you know kind of phase two maybe phase three i think because phase two really began with like um you know persecution mania and then you know this is sort of where like all of the influences and all the type of styles that they've used kind of all come together i mean you don't hear like a lot of obsessed by cruelty influence as much anymore, but like everything no. else is kind of in the mix at this point,
0: you know? Yeah, um, and <clears throat> Tom, He's definitely, Tom's come doing some of the more Tom Araya isms in his vocal. Is, he's, he's really messing around a lot with his delivery. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. Um, And so, yeah, this is
1: a, this is a, a fun thing, you know, like I said, not a lot of scholarship here. Uh, so we're going to kind of move through the music and kind of speak for itself. We will hear from Tom a couple more times throughout um you know if you haven't listened to part 1 we did an interview with Tom Angel Ripper back when we put the venom uh kind of series together talking to you know cuz venom being such a huge influence for for sodom uh and we got to chat about you know the the history of sodom a little bit and german metal and Teutonic thrash and all that kind of stuff and so we save that for for these episodes, knowing that the these would be kind of heading down the road. So we'll we'll hear from Tom a little bit too. But uh, I do urge you, like I said, if you you just stumbled into Sodom Part Two for some reason, really can't recommend uh, you know, going back to Sodom Part One um, for all the history stuff. All right, we talk about coal mines, all kinds of fun stuff. It's it's fun for the whole family. So, yeah. um, what are you like? when did you discover these records did you ever kind of dip your toe in any of this stuff in like recent years because i know i would recommend them to you i remember like staining my deck to some of this stuff and be like mark have you checked out some of this like late 90s early 2000s sodom stuff like did you ever really go into
0: this much or no i love i mean with um i would say with m16 uh i did a bit and uh, then it's one of those things too because i you know i listen digitally but also like when I'm, i'm trying to fill in stuff i try to uh I try to get stuff on just on vinyl. Kind of got yeah. rid of my CD collection years ago, and it's incredibly difficult to get any anything modern or remotely modern, you know, like on LP anymore. If you don't get it when it comes out, it's out of print and it's but, gone. God, but I've definitely listened a little bit, you know, here and there. But um, I would say I'd probably focus more on the la- the latter, the stuff like once um, once Frank comes back. Okay, yeah, yeah. When you get to God, what it's a little it? down the road, but yeah,
1: yeah, Genesis and some of that stuff, yeah, yeah, sure, um, yeah. So I mean, this is this is a fun fun thing, you know. All right, so let's get into it. We've got um, we're going to play a couple of tunes from Code Red uh, as well um, before we kind of get into the aforementioned M16, which Mark just kind of talked about. Um, the the last two tunes from Code Red, we there's a lot you can play from Code Red. It's one of my favorite records, but what hell can create? You know, sinister, evil, catchy, thrash, glory. I love how unrelenting it is. You know, especially when it finally breaks at that one fifty mark. It's uh, it's really just sort of building to that, and then you get this like again, great
0: Slayer esque kind of solos and stuff like that. Good um, breakdown. I mean, th- this is like mirroring, I think closer to some of the earlier stuff as far as like the intensity and yeah, speed and everything as well. I'm a classic it's cool, riff. Dude. To hear like bands with this uh,
1: vitality, you know, 20 years in a career, you know, 17, 18 years in. It's it's yeah. pretty fun, you know. Yeah, usually um, that's
0: not the case.
1: Vice of Killing, it drove me crazy what fucking Slayer song this reminded me of. And it finally came to me that it's like Spirit and Black from from seasons. Um it's you know, like how weird compositionally Spirit and Black is, how it has like multiple different like parts that it
0: changes to and stuff. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I, I, you know, I mean, really I de- said, <laughs> was it double bass bit with a Slayer riff? Yeah. yeah. Yep. The machine gun warlike kind of
1: staccato kind of thing yeah. that's going is, is very cool. Yeah, but yeah,
0: very like brutal and bludgeoning. That's kind of a lot of this stuff is they start, eventually they start to kind of marry some type of the more melodic with keeping up. Like Sodom is always just about like hitting you in the head with a hammer is kind of their, yeah. their M.O. And yet at the same time, it's in, you know, like it's super catchy. Like, Oh yeah. It, yeah. But it, like, it never lets, lets off go. off the gas.
1: Yeah. It's, they found this formula and it's like, man, I, I don't It's, it's, it's so unsubtle in some ways that you almost don't appreciate it. It's like, it's the thing that's like right in front of you. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's kind of like when you, you know, like to use like a film metaphor, like, You know, you go to like take film classes and you're talking about like, I don't know, the the Citizen Canes and all these other kind of things that are doing like all these really artful things. And then like there's like this, you know, there's like the John Carpenters or um, the Howard Hawks who are doing like meat and potatoes stuff. But it's so artfully done. And it's like right in front of you the whole time. But like you don't almost pay attention to it until you actually are like, oh, this is like as good as you can do within the confines of like very constrained
0: rules and like, they're
1: doing it right.
0: You know? Yeah. I I mean, yeah. But like with the, within a, like there's guys that there's directors that are auteurs and then there's directors that are guys who churn out a bunch of shit, but it's always good. It always has a consistent quality to it. And uh, like Carpenter had a couple like zeitgeist things with like the music and, and things like that. But Hawks was, was kind of just like a, company man really yeah he just kind of like knocked out all the stuff but you look back at the now like how he didn't need to make shots as interesting as he did yeah you know like there the more you get into the stuff like whatever it might be that's you know you know sodom or 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 movies you start to see like this there's so much more going on than what's right on the surface right away
1: sure yeah well, it's like Die Hard or something like that. Like, you know, you see it as a kid. You're like, oh, okay, it's just a, like a normal action movie of the era. And then you kind of like, you know, Richard Donner, uh, not Richard Donner, uh, John McTiernan and stuff mm-hmm. like, you know, like there's just fresh this, off Predator. Yeah. There's just things like that. He as instincts he had. I mean, Donner, I'd throw in that boat too. Right. Like he's another guy that like went like slightly above. And
0: I think, well, that, I mean, between him, what he did not to turn into a movie podcast, but what Donner did between you know superman the omen and then goonies yeah completely different movies but it all has his stamp on it yeah that's undeniably his his and you know lethal weapon movies but like yeah. he he knew how to he, could, he knew how to tell a
1: good story he's just a guy you hire when you want like a good movie to be executed you know yeah. regardless of what it is and and I'm not saying Sodom does that necessarily, but Sodom is like, you know, they come off as like a meat and potatoes thrash band. Yeah. But like Tom Angel Ripper like has a vision and like has this, this like pulse that's undeniable. And he like, he's got his eye, uh, he's got his eye like always on the prize. Like he, he doesn't deviate, you know? And like, I give him credit in ways that like, I probably didn't appreciate when I was younger, you know, creators like way more, I guess, bigger in certain ways and destruction was flashier and Sodom was just fucking plowing along just doing their own fucking thing and to me they're like the bell of the ball of those three when it comes like the last 20 plus years you know like i like some of those creator records don't get me wrong like some of their stuff's pretty awesome in the last 20 years but like i don't pull them out the way i i've pulled out like sodom in like recent years
0: you know i feel like a lot of that a lot of the recent creator stuff too is is more reliving past glories than it is doing anything different yeah yeah um it's not it's not bad but it's not like i don't know after after renewal it's kind of tough to, <laughs> to yeah. go back yeah, so. but uh, i mean they did like, some records that i really enjoy are like bits and pieces out of things but um yeah i think sodom always kept its integrity like i think sodom is like you know they look at um look at entombed and then look at dismember yeah and you know entombed is 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 definitely more of like the creator and yep sodom is dismembered they stuck to their guns they did incremental changes it always sounds like and they, they even did the they went from like gore to war yeah you know it's it's a, there are a lot of similarities there
1: yeah that's a good metaphor i think yeah because i mean you know, in tune kind of swung for the fences and sometimes hit some grand slams, but a lot of times they kind of would hit some, a lot of strikeouts too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just
0: well, and they didn't, they didn't like... have a consistent, you know, like leadership either. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like Fred was always there and Bloomquist was always there. Karki was always there. I, I guess the very last record, um, you know, Fred left, but um he did write a couple of songs on the thing. There was definitely like, it was curated. Yeah.
1: And that's why I think like Tom being just like having this vision and kinda not uncompromising, because I think he did. And he definitely like took whatever guitar player and drummer he had and like used them to the best of their abilities. But I think he's just he seems to really know how to like mold that.
0: And um uh, he know he knows thing. what sodom is inside and out. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, sometimes you play around to that, you know, the the ingredients and see how how far you can push it. But um but, yeah, really, for, for the amount of records they put out, there's, there's been an incredible amount of, like, consistency and integrity, I think, is the probably the, the key word.
1: Yeah, that's, that's probably what I'm kind of looking for.
0: So, yeah. So
1: then we go from Code Red to the record that I like even more, and I think Mark would agree, which is M16. Probably, you know... I don't know if it's the strongest record of the last couple of decades, but it's definitely in like the the top two or three of of the what they've done in like the past twenty plus years. I think M um, sixteen, you know, we'll get to it. But I think I might throw Decision Day and maybe the Genesis record. I, I think those three are just incredible. I don't know. I, I think
0: yeah. I think uh, one of my favorite, surprisingly, one of my favorite Sodom album covers is that Decision Day cover. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's fucking awesome. It's, um did I write down who the fuck that was oh the artist some he, he did like a shitload of Motorhead covers which makes oh, so much makes... sense yeah um did I Joe so oh is that who it is mm-hmm. I have no yeah, idea so he, he did the the newest cover and he did he's I think he's done three covers for Sodom but he it makes done. sense for them to like grab the guy that did a bunch of Motorhead covers too
1: yeah, I mean Motorhead's another band that like they're kind of just making Motorhead records, right, up until the end there. And like,
0: yeah, you know, I mean I, I've got every record. It's never been they've never changed. I mean it's like ACDC. You, yeah. you have a formula and you slightly massage it. You know, sometimes you might have a different type of production. Like you know the earlier stuff was a little more raucous than you know they get into mutt Lang and it's like holy shit, it's like essence up. it down to exactly what. Is the most pertinent part of this band.
2: Yeah, no,
1: that's absolutely true. So yeah, I think Sodom's a little more dynamic than those two bands, but sure. they're also like have a straight ahead trajectory. They're always Sodom,
0: you know? And yeah. You
1: can't say that about a lot of bands. So, but yeah, so we get into M16 with a trio of tunes. Um, among the Weird Kong, which probably another. <laughs> uh vietnam reference we talked about that in part one a little bit but yeah another cl- fucking classic album opener which is again their specialty a lot of these have been album openers that you've heard in part one and part two um definitely sounds warlike i love tom's vocals and the brutal lyrics you know emotions died when i saw my friends impaled to death so they're definitely talking about like the experiences of fighting the Viet Cong and the jungles and, and kind of that you know, we talked about in part one, you know, Tom's concern is always for the, the soldiers, regardless of what side of the war you're on. You know, it's yeah. just like the things that soldiers have to go through to survive these experiences and stuff like that. And um, really cool tempo changes. That's one of the things I think musically M16 is pretty dynamic. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of neat things kind of happening there um then we get to marines uh which we kind of moved around a little bit you know again a tribute to fallen soldiers is how i choose to read this kind of moody moody kind of emotive mid-paced number very anthemic you know
0: um well and the you know the the marine motto is very you know uh what is it something the something adapt overcome
2: yeah like uh, like
0: they whatever's in their um whatever's in their way they like they're they're kind of like the top of the top as far as the Services are concerned.
1: Sure. One, you know, I guess I don't know why I mentioned didn't mention this at the front of, of talking about M16, but it's kind of a concept record, you know, sort of based roughly around Apocalypse Now and the Vietnam War. Yeah. So, you know, that's interesting. Again, kind of like how um, you know, Agent Orange was based on kind of the Vietnam War, and clearly this one is kind of a sequel to that. And I, you know, I see two of these two records, that and Agent Orange, you know, two of their strongest records. So it's like when he's got like a vision for something, that's cool, you know. And not every song is about apocalypse now necessarily, but there's it's like kind of a mood amongst a lot of
0: these songs. Um, well, I don't think any, I don't know if any war movie ever summed up the the complexities of war as much as Apocalypse Now did. Yeah, like in a in a poetic way. No, I agree. And yeah, I think was it was really at, it really like made people think about things differently.
1: I was actually just reading something about Apocalypse now, like a couple of days ago. One thing I didn't know about that. Did you know that George Lucas was originally going to direct that movie as kind of a social commentary as a documentary
0: yeah. or as a documentary style movie? Yeah.
1: Oh, it was going to be kind of like mash. It was going to be kind of like a comedy war comedy, you know? Yeah. Type
0: thing. yeah Cause um, that was the, when, when Coppola got all that money from Warner brothers, I think that was originally. And then Lucas came back with all these like harebrained ideas and, yeah. Uh, Coppola was like, yeah, no, I, this, this needs to be something different. <laughs>
2: something Cause serious. Lucas
0: originally wanted to, this from what I remember, wanted to do it, shoot it black and white documentary style.
1: Oh no shit. Okay.
0: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it turned out how it did. It's, I mean, someone, we wouldn't be talking about Lucas if he, that that's what he would have done.
1: No, I know. I know. I was reading something about apocalypse now too. And how was it put? I can't remember who wrote the article, but they were saying like apocalypse now is one of those movies that when you see it, you realize it's a miracle that this movie even was made. And not just because of the production kind of parts, but like, like it's, it's authenticity and it's like,
0: it's closeness to the source material.
1: Well, and how does this movie exist? It's like, how did this like, how does like sneak into like mainstream culture? It's just like, I don't know it's like blue velvet or something like how did blue velvet like attain some kind of like mainstream
0: acceptance like that that shouldn't be a Well, oh, also though, at the time though that's like you know the the studio systems are failing and yeah. they're grabbing all this young talent and they're like oh okay like uh, it looks like uh oh jesus what the fuck's the uh the big thing that started it all oh like easy rider easy stuff. rider like yeah. this is like this does not seem like this would be a hit and this is a hit let's just let these creative young people do their thing like wacky
1: people do shit yeah
0: and I and this- I, we're so far away from that right now like I, I I really hope that the studio system can kind of collapse or at least get to the point where they need to actually not worry about stakeholders and shareholders and corporate bullshit and actually get some people to come in there and excite people about watching movies again
1: yeah, I mean, I will say for, for whatever, you know, you want to say about the hype, but I think, like, it has been cool, the whole, like, Barbenheimer kind of stuff, um, that people are excited about going to see movies that aren't just, like, superhero movies and are, like, kind of, like, okay, these are two auteurs, you know, that, like, have, like, visions for something and, um you know, and people are, like, packing the theaters for it. And that's that's cool. You know, like, that's something, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's enough momentum to start anything, especially with the fact that, like, you know, after the Scorsese movie comes out, like, I don't know how many other movies are like in the <laughs> in the in the gun barrel because of the the shutdown with the writer's strike and actor strike. Well, there's
0: going to be some turds that they've been hanging on to for a while
1: that they're going to drop out. Yeah, exactly. uh,
0: probably. Um, I, I got to imagine they thought ahead on this. But I'm excited for the
1: Scorsese movie. Like, you know, the fact that people are like kind of going to see a three-hour movie on like a dude who made the atomic bomb. I mean, I I saw Oppenheimer. It's like, it's not an action movie. You know what I mean?
0: Like, it's no, it's a lot it's, of talking and yeah, it's philosophy
1: an film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And people are like going. They're packing to see it, and that's that's good. Like that's that like
0: that's healthy for a culture to have some of that. But who's um, putting the Scorsese movie out?
2: I don't know. Is it Netflix? It, no, with like
0: limited theatrical release, like the
1: that's what they did with last one, but I think that yeah. was partially because of COVID, too. I think this is going to hit theaters pretty hard. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting the studio system because the, the, the movie that kind of destroyed all that was Heaven's Gate, yeah. Um, it's so like Heaven's Gate, you know, like the, the guy that made Deer Hunter, they basically gave him like unlimited money and power to like go and do something, kind of the way they gave Coppola with Apocalypse Now, and then like. It fucking, it just bankrupted the studio and fucking crashed and burned so bad. Um, Why can't I think of his name? He's the guy that did Thunderbolt. um, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? Yeah, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. It's the same director. I can't think of his
0: name. He's got, he's has a, in my opinion, a very idiosyncratic uh, career as far as like me enjoying certain parts of it it's pretty interesting and here's the thing i will say
1: this i don't know if you've seen, seen heaven's gate i don't hate it actually it's a really good movie it's just didn't hit audiences at the time and it
0: i don't think hit. i've ever seen it
1: it's really good there's a criterion edition of it see the director's cut it's fucking great um uh, what's
0: his name michael someone i think it's
1: michael someone michael simano i think it's michael simano
0: did it I was how, hot. did he die early or stop directing
1: well, no. well, I think after Heaven's Gate, it fucked his career up, and I don't think he got, got a lot of work. I, I'm sure he did some things, but I think it's much. So like, the Orson Welles treatment. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably, you know. So I was just reading. Someone was posting something about uh, it was, like, the anniversary of Transformers, the movie, coming out, and just, like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Orson Welles' last role. And, like, he was interviewed, and he's, like, it's about some, pl- like, planet trans like." Orson Welles' thoughts on what he thought he was doing in that movie are
0: really funny as, like,
1: Omnicron and stuff. It's just, like,
0: a really funny little thing. Yeah. Well, and the the unironic thing of that he was a planet eater and he became a huge fat man. Exactly. Doing wine commercials, so say if you
1: are uh, a cursory uh, film fan and you have not looked up the YouTube videos of Orson Welles wine commercials, do yourself a favor. And just go down the <laughs> Oh,
0: the French! <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> it's him just getting fucking shit face recording takes on wine commercials. It's and then you'll fun. go
0: into the um, the Dean Martin celebrity roasts with Orson Welles on, where he's he's tremendous on those. I don't know if I've seen a lot of those. I yeah, I think they're all on them. YouTube. I'll have to go on that journey
1: myself. Yeah, so. it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, Apocalypse Now, M16. So Adam, oh. there you go. And then we're going to end with a tune, uh, the title track, M16. And this is one where, you know, I I don't know what vibe you got, but I said, it almost feels like Bolt Thrower-esque at the beginning. Um, maybe it's just because of the subject matter, and maybe my mind was kind of in that realm a little um, before it kind of thrashes forward. It's got this kind of atmospheric, kind of eerie Feel before the fiery guitar solo kind of comes in and those kind of tank like drums and maybe yeah, it's I thought it was to, a very
0: like starts with a very unsodom riff.
1: That's what I mean. It's like con- yeah. more like contemplative the way like some of the both like later era bolt thrower stuff could be that way about sure yes
0: yeah, um, yeah it's just a, it had a little bit of, of uh, <laughs> the the melody of what I uh, what I think of like the modern creator stuff too where they would throw in something like because his vocals are kind of just back to where they always were. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit more emphasis on things or something, but um, there's definitely a little bit more melody in this yep. or like yep. some sourful kind of like uh, pensive melodies that Sodom yeah. starts throwing in these things. Yep. It's a, the eerie atmosphere thing. And you'll start to hear that from this point forward.
1: I think it's maybe one of the things I like the most about M 16 is it like introduces that element of the the contemplative like Sodom song, and you you'll hear it right up until their most most recent record where they have these like longer, kind of epic kind of tunes. And the Iron Maiden obviously does that a lot. You know, like they have those those kind of somber. It's
0: you know, it's always the the Steve Harris like where the wild wind blows and all the like, you know, thirteen minute yeah <laughs> Steve yeah. Harris things. Yeah. You know, but even like, you know,
1: I don't know if Steve Harris did Passion Dale, but like I think of that and like uh, as a newer kind of contemplative
0: tune or No, know. I think Passion Dale, I think that's era. that's all I think that's Yannick Gears and um and Bruce. That was Yannick? No shit. I believe so.
1: I it's, I they, it's weird. There's at not least a lot the of writing Yannick credits, but that like I love, but that's a, that's one of my favorite of the like the post Brave New World kind of era. So Also, because I teach that that battle, so it's like uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyways, sorry, I digress. (laughs) (laughs) There'll be a lot of those in this episode. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, all right, so let's get into it. We've got uh, a nice little set from two of the kind of pivotal records that kind of steers the ship uh, for forward momentum for sodom which is code red and m16 who got what hell can create the vice of killing both from code red from 1999 and then from t- 2001's m16 we got among the weird kong marines and m16 the title track and then we'll hear from tom uh the very short little clip and then we'll come back <laughs> about in the last couple decades do you is there a album that you sort of see you know a lot of people obviously talk about your early work you know kind of the way you talked about or uh you know early venom but is there like in the last couple decades in the 2000s like a couple albums that have stood out the most as kind of like a modern example of like sodom that you're particularly proud of or that you would tell fans to check out if they're like reluctant to get into like the newer stuff because i've i've always loved what you guys have been doing in more recent decades I think you're one of the more relevant thrash bands that's still doing work over the last four decades, whereas a lot of thrash bands kind of faded away, let's say, or kind yeah, of went yeah. down bad paths. So so I think that's something you're probably particularly proud of, but is there like an album or two that has stood out in the last couple decades for you guys?
3: I think I'm 16, maybe, you know. I, I don't know what too solid. you know, people talk about heavy metal died, you know, or thrash metal coming back, you know. We never mind, you know, we ever been there, you know, with no change, you know. And uh, Solom is the only band to never really change, mm-hmm. you know. Also in the in end the, in of the 90s, where a lot of band changed, you know, or two songs, you know. Um, I think with the era, with Berneman on the guitars and Bobby on the drums, we changed a little bit, you know, because if you have another guitarist, you change your style a little bit, you know. And I think Code Red or M16, are really great albums you know in my opinion you No, know. no, yeah <laughs> those are the two that stand out to me yeah i think m 6 it's a great album, you know but i love them all you know there was no there are completely songs like masquerading blood or epitome of torture was completely underrated, but it's it's a brilliant album you know so i wouldn't change anything if i would have, would have the chance to do this you know sure
1: that was m16 marines and among the weird kong from 2001's m16 that we started off with the vice of killing and opened with what hell can create from code red from 1999 and we heard from tom once again uh heard from him a few times obviously in part one and we'll hear from i believe one more time uh before the end of this episode so as we leave M16 and move forward, uh kind of one of the biggest gaps I would say for for Sodom, uh they were pretty consistent in putting albums out like every couple years, but uh, we get like a 5-year gap uh between 2001 2006. I think there was some I have to look in the discography. There might have been some like live records or best ofs that kind of came out in that era It just kind of seems like a you know something like that, maybe
0: There was a One Night in so- Bangkok Lords of depravity video. Oh, okay. um, yes. There's like a box set. Is, yeah. There's a bunch of, of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it
1: just seems, it's kind of weird. It's like the, one of the bigger gaps, I guess, you know, between full links and stuff, especially cause I guess final sign of evil comes out the next year, but that's like just re-recordings. I think.
0: I, uh, I believe. That. Yeah. I believe so.
1: Something like that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we, before we leave that era, sorry, I lost my notes for a second. Um, we got one more song. And for me, this is this is one of the biggest Sodom songs. If you go on Spotify, this is their most played song of of their discography. Although I will say that uh, In the Sign of Evil and Obsessed by Cruelty are not on Spotify. Neither is Agent Orange. So it's kind of okay. <laughs> good results, right? But um, Napalm in the Morning, you know, this is kind of. The personification of these themes that we've been sort of talking about. I mean, you've got the, you know, Robert Devol kind of you know Kilgore sample famously from uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, um, it's an incredibly emotive song, catchy guitar work, one of their best crafted songs I think of their career. I mean, that solo after the 420 mark just fucking scorches. I mean, I can see why this is a go-to song for fans. I think they play the song live all the time. Like this might be a song. Like if somebody was like, "What's us? What does Sodom sound like?" I might play him Napalm in the morning because it really encapsulates like the last thirty years or so of their career. You know, just with a yeah. song like this. Um, I mean, you could play him Outbreak of Evil, obviously, if you want to show them that, that kind of early era. But like this is kind of like modern Sodom in in like its best form, I guess. You know?
0: Um, yeah, it was like a very like the the guitar intro. It's kind of classic Metallica clean yeah. guitar kind of thing and um it's
2: yeah, almost I mean, like they're Tom's always Tom
0: yeah
1: yeah but it's like almost like they're aiming for like more epic things like with their they're like aspirational now you know it's like they know they can do it they know they can write longer songs and stuff like that and it's like let's just fucking do it
0: you know they, n- um, they never fully like went into like say we're like kind of like um oh Jesus what the fuck is it called now um the second uh record the last one on earth Mm. like we're that like that as became like more and more epic (laughs) as they went along and then you know integrated like military kind of elements and metaphors and stuff into it but sodom always keeps the epicness within like a within the song and just a small spark like little part of it they don't ever do like concept records where you know you know I guess in a auditory way, like M16 and, you know, they, they bring in like concepts of, of a, like a greater war, but as far as like what it sounds like, they never quite go there. Yeah. Fully. Yeah. It's always just like a, a, like the breakdown or a, you know, a transition on the song more so than, you know, here's, here's the MS Bismarck or something, you know, for a six. Yeah, that's true.
1: One it's also like Tom's not trying to do more than what he's capable of doing. Like he knows his yeah. limits. Yeah. You know, and I think I, I admire that about him too. You know, but he's he. It's like Slayer; they push like to the outer edges of their abilities and things like that. But like, it's still always like a Sodom song. It's always still a Slayer song. You know.
0: Well, I think uh, yeah, like Carrie King's the kind of the the guy that holds it all together for Slayer. Yeah. I think Tom kind of holds that as well. Yeah, for yep. better for worse in certain instances, yeah. but yeah, I
1: was gonna say in Tom's instance, good for Carrie's instance, questionable, but yeah, yeah. It is- And so then we move on, uh, we'll hear it, we'll open with Napalm in the morning, and then we move on to, I guess, maybe an album that uh, surprised me the most uh, in doing the research, because, uh, you know, Sodom in 2006 is quote from, this is from Tom it's self-titled because every band needs a self-titled album. All right.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a good um, enough reason for anything. Yeah. You
1: know? I just said, you know, this one has grown on me the most of these post two thousand Sodom, uh, albums, putting this episode together. I kind of overlooked it at first as subpar compared to like code red or M16. But the first S of of this record, the first half, like has some fucking cool harmonious, like leads and riffs. And it really balances. Well, it's got like a lot more of the punk kind of chaos, I guess. Um, I don't. Know. It's it's a record. I ended up liking. I I I didn't own a physical copy of it, but as soon as we started putting this together, I was like, "Fuck, I need this now." You know. Yeah. I think I saw the cover, and I didn't know if I liked the cover. So like, I don't know. There's like other things like that that maybe turned me away from it. Plus, it was self-titled. As like, eh, I don't need this one. And then I don't. know. It surprised me a lot. Is I guess what I'm saying. I, I really fucking. Yeah, there's there's
2: it. a
0: lot of like, um, I would almost say like vocally driven songs. On the on the record, like some like but popish, but not bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, no. like, like where his his vocal line is actually like you know kind of like the the thrust of the song instead of the you know bass line or guitar line or I mean I might honestly most you. Sodom is, is is drum driven. Yeah, I
1: might uh, surprise you with um, where what I compare City of God to in a moment. So prepare yourself. All right. Okay, I got a, I got one on there as well. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So so we're gonna hear a trio of tunes from the self titled in 2006. Um Blood in Your Lips, again, another epic album opener, as can be expected. Um, they're really flexing those innate, kind of catchy elements and clever tempo changes. Um, the acoustic love... bit again.
0: What's that? Yeah, the acoustic really... bit going
1: on. Yep. Um, I love Tom's blood curdling like bloods that he's kind of screams throughout, you know. And the last minute of the song has a lot of really cool, like uh oh like more some of the more like formation of damnation kind of testament kind of flair to it a little bit it's you know it's it's, it's some cool stuff um then i think this is probably where you know buried buried in justice ground is where you're getting kind of some of the more like vocal kind of earworm stuff um tasty harmonies i said it's Almost, there's almost like Dokken kind of scorpions esque when he does the corruption, selection, and illusions, confusions kind of sequences. Yeah, and and again, I think maybe the solo has some like Lynchian qualities, and maybe that's where I was kind of thinking like Dokken even. But uh, yeah, I said Megadeth. Like- yeah, it, which you know, <laughs> this like Kiss of Death from Dokken, that's kind of got like a Megadeth kind of feel to it, you know, yeah. in some way.
0: But I always thought that like like Megadeth had. Like Teutonic roots. Yeah. You know, yeah, like they were more destruction than, you know, Metallica is, you know, uh, fuck, what's the band? <laughs> the more new like, album band. Uh, Diamond Head. Yeah. Diamondhead. Metallica's, you know, Diamond Head Queen, a couple of the random things thrown in. Yeah. And uh, Meta- or, like Megadeth was always more Teutonic, I think. Yeah. I like always like making ridiculous riffs that on the face seem ridiculous but they're somehow catchy
1: yeah yeah well mega that's like a band like two like the more i go back to like peace cells the more like i unearth like fucking cool parts of songs that i kind of like overlook because they weren't like out the gate as catchy as metallica
0: you know, yeah but, and like, they did the album didn't fit together as like a seamless unit as much as metallica yeah
1: killing is my business same way like it's yeah. like a weird off-kilter record but the more you like kind of like strip it down or like listen to track by track you're like oh this is a fucking cool song yeah so yeah um the last thing on the buried justice ground is like the guttural screams on it uh, that he does like during buried is it's really fucking cool too um i think it's it's pretty neat yeah um city of god all right this is an interesting one um is it kind of like an Armored Saint kind of melodic opening? It's got like more of a traditional kind of metal, like Priestian kind of things going on? It felt
0: very familiar, but I I didn't really have... There wasn't one thing where I was like, yes, that's it. And here's what it builds to with the solo, in my opinion. It took me a while and I, find I
1: had to like pull it out and listen to it just to make sure I wasn't going crazy. But that main riff is fucking infectious as hell. But the song to me is this amazing buildup. To one of the best Sodom solos of all time, and it the solo is almost the same solo as fucking "Sentence." Cross my heart and hope to die.
2: That's
0: what I've got on here. Yeah, holy shit, that's funny. <laughs> I love. What oh, I didn't put play. the specific song, but I was like, it's that's a it. sentence solo.
1: It's fucking "Cross My Heart and Hope to Die." Yeah, <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is. Because I I had to check it out. I was like, it's driving me crazy. What the fuck this is?
0: There was there's multiple times in this uh, this latter era that I really felt a lot of like sentenced isms yeah. going on to it and, and I guess like maybe early sen- or early sent like the at least the first record has no I don't feel that there's any sodomisms at all but I think that yeah. like the picking method like the palm muted picking but really fast and harmonically has a weird kind of like Sodom thing happening okay yeah uh, that's the that. only like correlation I can make between the two yeah but I was feeling a lot and I I was listening to it we I drive in from here to Chicago Mm -hmm. um what did I have on I was like the oh it was I started just with Sodom on Spotify and I let it kind of go and I got a lot of sentenced I got a lot of um Dark Angel like the stuff they were throwing at me was just it was it was kind of funny but a shitload of sentence and then I just started listening to Shadows of the Past and I was like (laughs) my God this record's fucking incredible (laughs) (laughs) they did like two completely genre defining records as record one and record two sentenced it's like i can't believe how fucking different and like two yeah yeah and i mean three in a a row row, like uh, and then they just kind of had the same you know iteration after that but those those three first three records is like insane like north from here is so singular and same with with amok it's just like holy crap but yeah, yeah that so that showed up in in the algorithm or something okay that's funny I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad we, both we both got, got it at that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go so far as to try to figure out exactly what solo because I would have been doing that for three days but
1: it was the awesome. solo
2: like
1: I know that record so well that kind of comeback sentence record right before they broke up you know yeah um wh- why can't I think of it the blue cover came in a weird oh the uh cold white light White light, yeah. yeah, that was then it. they that did the funeral day. record after that. And I think that was it, yeah. that was it. So, and then we kind of end with the title track from their 12th studio record, uh, in War and Pieces. And we'll uh, we'll, we'll chat a little bit more about that when we come back. But, um, yeah, good little set here. We're kind of wrapping up M16 with Napalm in the Morning, one of their more popular tunes, and then a trio of tunes from their self titled 2006 record, Blood on Your Lips, Buried in the Justice Ground, and City of God, with a Street sentence solo and then uh, the title track <laughs> war and pieces uh from 2010s in war and pieces i love
0: the smell of napalm in the morning Smells like victory <laughs>
4: And I-
1: pieces from 2010s and war and pieces and then we had a trio of tunes from the self-titled from 2006 city of god buried in the justice ground blood on your lips we opened up with napalm in the morning from m16 so yeah spanning a nine-year little span there but all those songs kind of consistently in a weird way kind of fit together i suppose and that's kind of this era of, of sodom they've definitely found their
0: form you know moving forward um yeah i think in that um in War and Pieces, that's another one of those Tom Araya moments. Oh, I, I I wrote
1: Tom sounds very Tom Araya with his In War and Pieces screams. You know, like that's yeah. I mean, it's really just. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go. That's, the,
0: that's also like the real uh, the chuggy modern stuff, and the groove yeah. starts to kind of pop out in that as well. And um, you get the cool chant vocals sprinkled in,
1: and lots of modern Slayerisms. It's not not yeah, just which a, the.
0: The chant yeah. kind of—it's almost like gangish vocals—never show up in Sodom stuff. Yep. And, which it uh, seems like it would be a perfect candidate for that, but
1: I know, I know, with like the warlike kind of stuff that they do, you know, cool pinch harmonics too. You know, I mean, we've heard those a few times, but they're kind of really start to make their appearance here. Yeah. So, and you know, this album is the arrival of Marcus Maka Freewald. Um, on drums after Bobby left due to personal and private problems that he was having with Tom. Not quite sure what all that was. I didn't want to delve into it too much, but um, so something was going on with the drummer and and Tom. Um, And then, you know, so now you got kind of a a new guitar player in, or a new drummer, excuse me. And then two years later, we get uh, Epitome of Torture. Um, And this is a record that you know, kind of snuck up on me too. I I don't know if I had spent as much time with this one as I had say, you know, M16 and decision day and stuff, but it's their highest billboard debut ever um, at 25. It's pretty awesome.
0: Well, remember that's also modern
1: billboard. Sure. But still, you know, it's cool for a band that's been at it this long from Germany. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. But that's like when, when you see like enslaved was like number nine on the U S (laughs) billboard charts. I was like, I wish it was, you know, 80s, 90s numbers, (laughs) but but it's still, I think (laughs) metal is doing better physical sales wise than almost anything.
1: I was going to say metal heads are like fickle and we, we like want physical copies of shit. Like
0: if you want your, you know, Taylor Swift from target, that's probably sound a lot as well. But I think as far as like real, like collectors, I think like metal is still, you know, the go-to. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly so um but yeah i mean epitome of torture is an interesting record i i didn't i don't know this record as well as i know you know some of the other ones in this era but um the album does have a tune we didn't play it called uh kat, kat Jushka," which has a melody from the same world war ii soviet folk song by like a guy named Matt V Blanter. it's it's really interesting they're they're they, they play with these national anthems and these of folk songs and they do these, you know, like the rocket, the Stalin rocket sort of stuff. So yeah, Tom's like, I don't know, like Tom sticks to like his formula, but he also is like, I don't know, I, I appreciate that he's always like trying out kind of new ideas. I mean, it's not a lot of thrash bands that are throwing like, you know, melodies from World War II era Soviet folk songs into the, I don't know, it's just kind of a... Well,
0: I think it's, it's an like interesting that. thing when you can do when you're in this like kind of small, conceivably small toolbox of like what you can do for a band, it makes you much more creative about what you can do. Yeah. You know, like you're you're, like when like Metallica is doing their new record and there is, you know, let's we always have to do a double record now and there's no limits. And what is interesting and there's like, you know, I would say maybe a minute and a half out of that whole record that I was like, cool. This is, I I can get behind this, but it's just, I think having those constraints is, you know, as far as anything's concerned for, for art, for comics, for movies, um, not even constraints, but like, this is the toolbox you work in. Like, you know, Bolter is not going to all of a sudden do a prog record or something. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Like they
0: kind of worked within that whole and using, you know, different, you know, war metaphors and pushing it as far as they could. Like, I think Sodom's, you know, kind of doing that same thing. It's, and and I would say that Tom's his lyrics are way better than you. They deserve to be.
2: <laughs> I agree. Yeah.
0: Like, like uh, a lot of the time, he's got because when you hear, like you hear him being interviewed, he's kind of to the point, and um, and also you know he's he's speaking a. At least I didn't listen to any of the the German ones because I didn't want to sit and read subtitles. I had to make notes, but like to do have a, a second language that you're writing in too. And that it's actually comes across like really interesting for like, I would say 80% of it. Yeah. It's, that's a, it's pretty awesome.
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah. and you know, kind of speaking of some of those like themes and, and good lyric stuff, I mean, you know, my final bullet, the, the first of two songs we're going to hear from epitome of torture, like, you know, for a band that has often been mistaken, I think for being pro war, I think that's kind of a, common misunderstanding of Sodom is oh, they you know they talk about war so they must be pro-war and, you
2: know it's what's well, the
0: the you know the uh, nobody can understand anything that's has any type of uh, uh I
2: mean
0: it, it, like modern politics too it's either a or B it's uh, yeah it's, it's, it's this completely like binary thing nobody can have any kind of variation of ideas if you yeah. say this it has to mean that like no this is like this is a, how they get their point across for what they're trying to say
1: sure yeah, but I, I was just gonna say they sure do write a lot of like great anti-war songs, you know, and my yeah. final bullet like is you know, it's the horrors of war. Um, it's you know, again, great lyrics. This is kind of you know, I mean it's it's exactly what you want from a band that's kind of talking about this sort of stuff. And I mean, you know, in terms of musical stuff, like Tom I wrote Tom Angel Ripper and Tom Mariah are merging into the same person on the screams in the song. Like it's just
0: did you, you hear know. anybody else in this song that uh rung a I bell did I heard
1: another. I heard another band not necessarily maybe a vocalist I'm curious if it's what you thought um, I
0: for my final bullet I heard Hansi Kirsch
1: I wrote weird blind guardian vocal chant <laughs> moments too. that's funny.
0: even the way he's like Hurry! like because Hansi yeah. doesn't have a traditional power metal voice no. he's much more like in the throat so yep. they, they kind of share a lot in the song which is funny
1: yeah i said even the solo has some teutonic speed metal nods so it's like them yeah. doing like old fucking halloween blind Guardian kind of stuff you know um i mean angel ripper even does like even though he's doing some of the araya stuff there's even like these like death like kind of guttural lows that he does a little bit in my final bullet so there's yeah, a he's lot pretty,
0: of like, he's pretty growly i would say in that song
1: yeah a lot of vocal variety and stuff that's cool um And then the other tune we're going to hear from Epitome of Torture is in invocating uh, the demons, Um, you know, haunting melodies, nice mid pace ode to the almost satanic sacrifice of war. And this is like, again, you know, looking at the horrors of war in like their, their, you know, like if you saw invocating the demons, you might think like, oh, okay, it's like a devil worship song or, you know, a cult song or something, but it's just this idea of the kind of like the sacrifice of, of, you know humans to war and stuff like that how it's almost like a like an incantation or something you know um
0: when well, there's this nice uh you know bass intro bit and this is another yeah. song where uh I think the kind of opening guitar rift is and riff is another one not rift but riff is very sentenced yeah as far as the well, melody is concerned because sentence melody is always it's always like bittersweet yep like all and I think that they kind of start to pull some of that stuff in which is interesting even the solo is super
1: emotive, you know, mm-hmm. very heartfelt, you know, and that's something that I think that um, the guitar player really does a great job bringing to the table. The um, you know uh, Burniman, you know, he does just yeah. a really nice job. So, and then we get to probably my favorite recent album. Um, this is the one that I stained my deck to the one I like texted <laughs> that, it that was, should
0: be a pull quote on the next reissue of this.
1: Yeah, it should be. Ah, this is a good <laughs> staining. but I think it showed up. I think it was in like the Fenris playlist on Spotify. It just kind of showed up in there and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was looked, I was like, Oh, this is newer Sodom. I'm like, huh. And it was right when that came out. So it was like summer 2016 or summer, you know, 2017 or something like that. And, um, this is sort of where I got like the light bulb idea that like newer Sodom fucking ruled. Um, you know, and, and again, I don't think decision day is doing anything like out of the ordinary that we haven't heard in these like last couple sets, but like, it's just, it sounds reinvigorated and it's a very sharpened version of the, the lineup. Um, well, it's
0: I, last, I, you know? Yeah. I think it brings, I think it brings the, it brings the Teutonic back in a big way. It's like Maybe the production's a little is. more raw. And okay. primitive. Um, I think the the vocals are kind of black medley, but also all that uh, Motorheadisms that are thrown yeah. there with a Venom riff. Like, I don't know the last time that I heard of like a super heavy Venom riff from them, and until this, yeah. And it still yeah. sounds like it's a it's a fresh. Like, how many fucking riffs have they made? <laughs> how well, what's oh the my. average of you know songs per album? So it's it's crazy. I know. You still do something like that
1: yeah and I, you know you like in retribution you know again another ripping opener i said you know lots of gloomy dissonant riffs maybe that's kind of the black metalisms and stuff yeah um you know but it's full of vitality you know and then who mm-hmm. is god that's got like yeah. a classic sodom kind of sound to it that's where they're really bringing that kind of all back and um i know mean, oh, for 20- who is
0: god i i have a very random observation where it's oh, like cool. it sounds like if slayer wrote enter sandman <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs>
1: I love that. That's on the poll quote too. <laughs> Stain your deck to it and it sounds like it was like, like Man, Buy this fucking record. Like we can exactly. fucking get this right up the charts with those two fucking stickers on the front of this. Yeah, shit. get
0: get up to number 28.
1: Yeah. And then decision day, right? Smack in between. I mean, that's cool from like a historical perspective, you know, song celebrating D Day, you know. yeah um, Yeah. Cool emotional tribute, tasteful solos. I mean
0: lots of vocal you know, variation on there as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can't I mean there's there's not a lot I can say about decision day other than like if you like this shit, just buy the whole record because the whole record's fucking from top to bottom, just great. I mean, it's my favorite yeah. probably alongside M sixteen, it's my favorite post two thousand sort of sodom. Um mm-hmm. it's just it's it holds up really well. Um, and I think
0: production's um, good, it's like there's no weird um because sometimes in the, some of those 2000s ones there's all there's like these weird trends in production that seem to like permeate through records
1: it's like and, too clean or too compressed or something like yeah that. and
0: this this just sounds like it's a full spectrum of yeah what we want to hear from this band
1: yeah that's it you know so i think that i think the music kind of speaks for itself a little bit so all right, well, let's get into it. Um, we got my final bullet in invocating the demons from Epitome of Torture in 2013. Then we got a trio of tunes from Decision Day, In Retribution, Decision Day, and Who is God. And then we'll end with Dehumanize from uh, the last full-length record that they put out of originals, at least, uh, which is Genesis 12. Oh, no, Genesis 19, sorry. Um, and that's from 2020, and it's a song called Dehumanize. And we'll, we'll chat a little bit more about that and uh, say our goodbyes as we uh, wrap up Sodom uh, Part 2. Enjoy. I was dehumanized from Genesis 19. And then we had Who is God? Decision Day and in Retribution from Decision Day. And then from Epitome of Torture from 2013, Invocating the Demons and My Final Bullet. Frank's back, baby. Here we go. with Dehumanized, right. man. Um, so yeah, Frank Blackfire, uh, all the way from Agent Orange. Um, fuck, he's back. Um, and I'll I'll get to the story on that. But welcome, new drummer. Also, Tony Merkel. Uh, with some blasting fucking violence to go with one of the most sinister riffs of their career. I mean, Dehumanize is fucking awesome.
0: Um, and fast as shit. The, the <laughs> pranks bringing the chug back that we haven't, we've been kind of missing, I think.
1: I know. And I mean, as much as I love Decision Day because of its fucking properties of helping me stain my deck, one of the other <laughs> revelations I think I had is I said, Genesis 19 is, dare I say, maybe their modern masterpiece and one of the best modern thrash records I've heard from like a fucking staple band.
0: Um, well, do you know what else they brought back that I did not expect is that Roda Tom drum production.
2: Oh, yeah. Like yeah.
0: where there's like six, like that's, that was like a quintessential part of their, you know, first three records. And yeah. for them to bring this back in 2020. Is, and I just wrote
1: like, great. I mean, one of the things like, you know, you brought up too, I said, this album is spirited, vibrant, vital with great production that toes the line well between the high gloss modern production and that sinister kind of moody thrash production. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's right in the middle of that. It sounds great, but it doesn't sound too clean or too fucking polished. It's just like.
0: Yeah, it's not too know. modern. It it just like, it does like what some what modern production can do is it makes like you, you can do a, a production on the cheap, but it still sounds great. It doesn't yeah. have to be like this, you know, 50,000, $80,000 production. And like a lot of the, some of the earlier records in this era, you can kind of tell like, okay, this is heavily like digital processed, compressed. This sounds like, you know, like a eighties rock record as far as how great everything sounds.
1: And that's so weird in modern times. I mean, yeah, it's the kind of stuff that you hear. Oh God. Who's the guy from, uh, Oh, Arthur, Arthur Ritz or whatever. What's his name? The guy from like eternal champion. Who's doing like a lot of American metal records that are pretty decent. Is it,
0: oh yeah, yeah. Um, Arthur, Arthur rise. Ritz? Is that the big muscly guy? yeah yeah that guy yeah yeah i, I think I, I drew him for it's, it's the, the kind record. of thing
1: like he he might do you know i mean there's some producers that probably can capture that spirit but um i
0: think it's what like andy sneep did for judas priest
1: yeah
2: yeah
0: where like they have all the stuff dialed in and they can make it sound fresh and modern but also a, a throwback to the past a little bit to what you know their defining sound was and these people are obviously like they seem like the, i'm not sure who the producer was on this one i didn't really look into it but they definitely seem to throw back a little bit into their far-flung past yeah with, with some of the sounds and stuff it's really interesting yeah. and it's, yeah, it's, it's it's faster than consistently than anything that was like faster catchier like it just i think you're right with a modern it's one of their. It's, it's their modern masterpiece.
1: It's fucking so good, you know. Yeah. And again, I I thought Decision Day was like it for me, and then like I really locked into Genesis nineteen, especially like putting the show together. I was like, God, I bought this, and I liked it, but I didn't like delve as deep into it as I probably should have because you know me, I fucking sometimes buy too much shit and I just don't digest it enough. Well, and I was that's like,
0: the time with metal books and movies, <laughs>
1: yeah, fuck, but. I guess the, the, the how this all came together is Frank comes back in the fold when for their 35th anniversary show in uh, Bauckham, Germany, in December 2017, the band brought back Grave Violator. They brought back uh, Blackfire. They brought Andy Brings, uh, the guitar player from – fuck, I forgot what record he was on. Oh, Andy Brings is on uh, Tapping the Vein. So they yep. brought him back. Yep. And so you know, basically they do this kind of crazy show, and then a week later – Burnaman and Maka were both out of the band, quote, to pave the way for new challenges.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm just gonna leave. So leave I think, there. yeah, Tom was like, Holy shit, Frank, like Yeah, you rocked my world, buddy.
1: Let's fucking do it. And so enter Frank, and then this um uh, this York guy on drums, uh oh, sorry, York uh Sagats, Uh
0: and is he Greek or something, or what? Okay, is wait. It, or was that a pseudonym?
1: I got my shit. Hang on. We've got the new drummer. Okay, hang on. The new drummer was... I brought him in before. What was his fucking name? Oh, shit. Oh, uh, Marcus Maka Freewald is still on drums, okay? Okay. But now, York Sagats comes in as a new guitar player. So now they're a four-piece. So they got two guitar players on Genesis 19. Ah, Okay. So that adds a little oomph to sort of what's going on. So it's Frank yeah. plus this other guy, York uh, Segots, and I don't I don't know where York came from. If he was in some other bands, I forgot to kind of look up. That
0: it doesn't. One. It doesn't feel like they. Um, they're not like taking advantage or using that as like a, an edict for the record or the writing of the record. It almost just kind of like they have the r- whatever riff Frank or whoever comes up with, just kind of like, you know, maybe go an octave less under it to, you know, like make that one yeah. riff even crunchier.
1: Yeah. Just more weight to everything. Yeah. yeah.
0: It, so, it doesn't seem like there's like, you know, constant dueling solos back and forth or anything,
1: yeah you know? and you get stuff like dehumanize that we just heard and you get stuff like, uh, you know, this trio of tunes that we're going to kind of end the show with, like, you know, a tune like Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, it's just, I just wrote simple neck snapping, fierce thrash opener. That just it's back
0: a, to an 80s Sod- Sodom riff to me. Fuck
1: yeah. I said it's, it's a band who've been going for 40 years. that still sound fucking vital. I said there's even hints of that early like black and thrash of, like bands like Inferno and Niflheim and Aro Noir fly as the, the fly a flag for, you know, like they could stand yeah, on the uh, page with those bands, you know. I put like, Yeah,
0: it doesn't sound modern. It sounds great. Primal and yeah. blistering.
1: Yeah, fucking just old black thrash shit yeah. from like the early 80s and stuff. But recorded really well. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like some of those modern niflheim records right where mm-hmm. it's like it just sounds good you know yeah um, yeah and then fuck you get like uh nick Mir Mein land you know and i said ladies and gentlemen tony merkel with fucking blast beats <laughs> like you
2: know like yeah
1: Jesus Christ, you know blasting and then you get a sick fucking restless and wild princess of the dawn except kind of riff that takes fucking hold I, you know i just said like fucking tony is so tight drum wise on the whole record like he owns on this song and he really like goes to blast at the end. Like he's fucking like Dave Lombardo or some shit. It's, it's, it's cool. I, I don't know much about this Tony guy where he came from, but he's, uh,
0: yeah, I don't either. I know his, uh, really he, he, he brings back. It's like, like with Bolt Roar with every consecutive drummer after, uh, Andy whale, they, yeah. they knew what the bolt or drum, like here, yeah. here's the boundaries of what things sound like. There's lots of fills, uh, lots of double bass, lots of mid pace. And then each guy would kind of do their own thing, you know, the, the next couple dudes until um, we got to uh, fuck, what is his name? We talked so much about him, I threw it out of my mind. The oh, final drummer.
1: Oh, oh, oh. Final uh, Bolt drummer. Tony
0: Merkel. Tony Merkel. Yeah. Tony Merkel. No, no, no. Bolt drummer.
1: Oh, shit. Uh, the guy that passed away. Oh, my God. That memoriam's like written for, like the first record
0: yeah um jesus uh martin kitty Kearns.
1: kitty Kearns, yeah
0: but even he was taken off you know a, he was using andy whale as a jumping off point sure and i feel like this guy is really respecting the past of sodom by bringing those old those, those kind of like cacophonous drum rolls back into things well
1: it's almost like you know these younger guys and girls or whatever, you know, whomever that have like studied like YouTube videos and like, like they've grown up, they have access to like all the riffs and all the techniques. And if they're mm-hmm. actually like, disciplined and like care enough about the authenticity of stuff, like the guy that's in the, that's doing all the Chuck Schildener stuff, you know, for mm-hmm. um the death tall. Yeah. Like, he's fucking so good. You mm-hmm. know, like he's just like incredible. Um, and that looked oh, like uh that guy oh Terry from
0: thing. um or I, the Finnish drummer that was in Paradise Lost that's now in Opeth oh like, yeah yeah he is yep. so fucking good and effortless yeah and whatever he's doing yeah, he no, was rich. in bloodbath for a while too it's just like it's crazy he's in his early 20s
1: <laughs> but um speaking of the guy from death to all you were you were asking who was like doing cynic stuff that's that's the guy that does all the death vocals for cynic now
0: Oh, perfect. That makes nothing so more standing sense. He's
1: next to Paul, fucking doing crazy guitar shit with Paul yeah. and doing death vocals, and you're like, oh, this is like a match made in heaven. You know, like... <laughs> and, like, all the guys around on stage with Kelly were all younger for atheists, but they all fucking lock in. Like, they know how to do atheists. You know what yeah. I mean? It's shit. Yeah. This young. I mean, that's one of the coolest things about this younger generation. Like, if they actually, like, study the shit, they're like... They can be Like ultimate, you you just hope that they have like a soul, you know, like it's it's not like soulless. What
0: you know, oh, yeah, but also, like, they have um, they have such a a jump, like a a head start on everybody else because of you know, growing up with YouTube, like, you can figure out how to do a double bass pattern without making it so your legs are so tired you can only play for 10 minutes, like, yeah, like, like you had to do, (laughs) yeah, like all these these techniques that where people can really like they figure out, you know, how how to play guitar, how to like sing death metal without blowing your fucking throat out. Like all this stuff is like made these next, this next level of bands, you know, kind of like be able to jump ahead like five, six years and not, not have to have all those trials and tribulations of sure. the, the earlier bands. And some of those earlier, those new death metal, you know, kind of well, like, like, the like old school death metal bands that are coming and back.
1: You exactly. Know, like, yeah. Those guys just come out the gate. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah or like you know like phobophilic and have a bunch of these like more like early 90s sounding death metal bands and they're yeah. in their 20s and they're just like you know on death all these guys are just it's they just absorbed it all yeah it's crazy yeah it's, it's an amalgam it doesn't sound repetitive it's it's like an amalgam of everything that we grew up loving it's mm-hmm. it's kind of it's a crazy era to be in into extreme metal at this point
1: well, and then there's guys just, and then the, and then, you know, then there's fucking guys like Tom angel ripper. Who's just fucking, you know?
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, all the, everybody's the, still there.
1: Like his, just going yeah. forward, you know, just doing his thing. You know,
0: we're in that weird stage where like everybody in Sabbath is still alive. Yeah. That's nuts. You know, like, I, I don't think they could ever play a show together again, but the fact that like, you know, cause after, you know, Lennon died and, and uh um oh jesus christ
2: harrison harrison yeah
0: it's like okay that was kind of like the end of an era we haven't really hit that yet with heavy metal like almost to, to have like the flagship bands still going you know like priest and and sabbath yes yeah. it's kind of not even deep purple like in their 70s still you know yeah. still flying the flag like
1: we lost dio and lemmy and a few others but for the most part you know hanneman but um yeah but for the most part most of the core people are still there you know not yeah some of to- those
0: real early ones like you know Maiden is still going like Diamond Head is still going like it's 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 fucking wild that we're in this kind of weird era so it's cool that these bands are still kind of respecting the past and you know while yeah. we still have the old uh still there yeah oh, indeed indeed
1: yeah, so you know, basically Genesis nineteen is fucking godly, you know. So Great, but it, it
0: deserves it. to be. Yeah,
1: it really is. And then, so we're gonna end with a trio of tunes. We'll end with the Harpooner, which is I uh, said, what do we got like Mastodon here, you know, but it's a fucking sodom <laughs> tune, you know, about Moby Dick. It's epic, doomy, progressive, melancholic, fucking, you know, classic Tom, sodom too. Yeah, and Tom's doing like Geezer Butler like bass intro shit, you know, mm-hmm. like. Really cool melodic shading at the bridge. Stupid fucking catchy riff, like four fifteen, and even like punkish like Slayer solos throughout. And uh, Tony does this really cool symbol shading outro with the drums. That's really really heartfelt and, and cool. I don't know. It's like I just love this record. I need to I need to listen to this more. That's what I le- realized. Listening to Genesis nineteen, I'm like holy fuck. Well, I think they better. they
0: took all those like some of the more modern proclivities of Sodom and kept they kind of kept a, a lid on how far they were going to go with it yeah like they keep that the sim- the simplicity down like okay what is, what is Sodom it's that like one catchy riff it's that one you know that pummeling thing they don't go too far outside of the there's there's a lot of I think um uh, it's it's weird how much like it seems like they're not trying to push too far like they know exactly what they're doing it's a very measured record Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree. And uh, before we read some kind of um, letters, feedback that we've gotten on recent episodes and stuff to sort of end things today and talk about patrons and our goodbyes and stuff, I wanted to end with one final thing um, from from Tom. Uh, We'll hear from Tom again, too, and also in a little interview clip. But this is uh, from uh, Requiem friend, Ian Glasper, who has been on some of our episodes that we did, the anarcho-cross-punk stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're probably going to have him back when we do the British thrash episode. I got to kind of get in contact with him because he wrote a book called uh, Contract in Blood. um, That's about the British thrash scene. But anyways, um, he put out two collections called Terrorize, which is the collected interviews uh, from Terrorizer from Ian Mm -hmm. Glasper. And um, he interviewed Sodom back in uh, issue 236, uh, June of 2013. So that would have been... Uh, epitome of torture kind of era
2: okay. and it's
1: just uh kind of asks him about what his thoughts are on like the current kind of thrash scene and, and things like that that's kind of going on and, and here's what uh, tom kind of says um he says oh yes it's changed over the years in the beginning thrash metal was a kind of revolution in something special just a handful of bands did it i think the whole metal scene has changed for the worse now because it's getting more confusing in these times I also hate to keep talking about Thrash revival because we never stop doing it. This music is established and will always be so. But I've realized now that there is a new generation of very young fans growing up who actually prefer the older and historical bands to the new ones anyways. So like I said already, the spirit of Thrash will never die. And for us, we just always do the music we like without any dictation uh, dictation from labels and publishers with all their commercial expectations. There is no pressure. We are successful in the way we write our songs, and we know exactly what the Sodom fans expect. We are, in fact, blinded when we start the writing process and never look at what other bands do. That doesn't concern us in the slightest. But seriously, 30 years is a long time as a band in anyone's book. Just what is the secret of their longevity? And more importantly, where do they go from here to stay relevant? He says, we are authentic and indigenous, reckons Tom, as to the secret behind their enduring popularity we never changed our style we always try to write a better and better songs but we also try to keep the spirit of the 80s alive too we don't want to ever disappoint our fans so i, I think believe that's it. fitting you know for a, a guy that has kind of steered the ship for for multiple decades and you know i mean still reaching their high point i'm i'm really curious what the next record that they do um
0: but they just they had their 40th anniversary in uh, 2021
1: they did and they put together kind of they re-recorded 40
0: years at war yeah
1: yeah they re-recorded a bunch of old songs and things like that
0: um I would I would have picked that up if when it first came out but I've seen a handful of them around but I was hoping it was like the entire discography (laughs) yeah unfortunately
1: unfortunately it's not but you know, I mean, I think with Frank and, and stuff, it'll probably sound pretty pretty good. You know, I yeah. listened a little bit. I haven't spent a lot of time with it.
0: But Did you know there's a a song in here called Job of the Hut?
1: No. Oh wait, on Genesis nineteen or on the, no no
0: on the Forty Years at War. I don't know what oh, album shit. that's from.
1: It Might be from a demo. It might be from their demo era. Uh, maybe
0: I don't Job know. of the Hut would be eighty three for the yeah, movie, but yeah, huh? Caligula. 17, 17 songs so
1: hmm.
0: it's got, yeah, it's got really. Frank it's got the the modern lineup so it's got a great Billy and Candor cover as well I do
1: like the cover it is pretty neat so yeah and Mark and in, in in between us recording part 1 and part 2 <laughs> we actually got a new patron uh, that's awesome so <laughs> shout out to Jason Duran uh we already announced some patrons in part 1 uh new patrons Michael Held Roop Groove Frippe Pearson, John Burkhold, and Daniela Petro. So uh, we'll throw Jason Duran into the mix too. Thank you again. Uh, if you would like to become a patron, uh, go to patreon.com uh, forward slash Requiem Podcast, and you can sign up, be a monthly patron, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, gets you exclusive uh, episodes. We're going to be recording uh, an exclusive you know, bonus thrash episode on the Belgian-Dutch thrash scene here pretty quick in the next couple of weeks. So uh, that's something that's exclusive for patrons only. And there's a whole handful of other kind of benefits that sort of come with that. Um, yeah. And plus like, Hey, you know, support what we're doing. We do this for free. We volunteer all this and we don't charge you. It's commercial free.
0: And, it's uh, a, it's a, it's a tip jar, you know, for, for like, when, you know, did you go to the coffee shop this week? How much you spend?
2: Exactly. You know,
0: I've, I've got a, a drive through big B here that I can easily drop, you know, eight to ten dollars per visit that's it so right. uh yeah if, if we give you as much enjoyment as a couple cups of coffee we would uh much appreciate it
1: we do indeed indeed and uh before we get out of here too you can get uh in contact with us send us some feedback uh go on spotify leave us a, a star rating go on uh, apple podcasts uh leave us a star rating leave us a review we do appreciate that um, you can go and find us on Facebook, uh, Jason and Mark. Uh, you can contact us that way. In fact, Mark, we just opened up uh, for the patrons. We have an exclusive Patreon page on Facebook for those patrons uh, that are there. And uh, we opened up like a new chat. It's uh, pretty cool. I don't know if you joined it or not, but. Um, is that
0: because is that, well, I don't know anything about this because I'm not normally on Facebook is this beyond the mighty raven dark
1: you know it's it's thing? a mighty raven dark uh rating uh it's a chat exclusively for all those people and it's just like it's cool it's actually been like a bunch of people sharing like youtube clips and talking about recent shows they've been on it's it's pretty fun it's almost nice. like our private little thing and i'll, I'll kind of like check in sometimes and, and throw my own two cents and stuff but it's just like kind of almost a community uh that of like kind of Metalheads that share like a love for Requiem and the different stuff that we're doing to kind of exchange info and, and talk about stuff, and so that's, that's awesome. That's really so, um, but yeah, you can get a hold of us there. You can go on Instagram Requiem Metal Podcast at Podcast Requiem on uh, Twitter, also known as X now. Um, it, the, they just changed the app on my phone this morning, so it's now the X app
0: instead of Twitter. How, so. how do you feel about that? Being a big X Men fan
1: well if it was as cool as (laughs) x-men i would care but i don't
0: i haven't been on i remember getting i got a uh a beta invite to twitter when it first started and i think it's been almost 12 years since i've been on twitter
1: it's uh i i wouldn't be on twitter if it weren't for the podcast um metal Twitter is pretty fun there's a pretty good community of people um that I think are only follow us there and don't have Facebook. So the guy that kind of created the paradise lost uh, catatonia drinking game came from Twitter and stuff. So it's a nice <laughs> outreach for that. You know, I, read, cool. I I follow some news sites, so I read news articles and stuff, but I try to just kind of not doom scroll if I can.
0: Yeah. Um, X scroll now. Yeah. Yeah. X scroll. Yeah. Well, as exactly. so soon it's going to, he's trying to turn it into a, a banking app. So sure. we'll, we'll see what, what happens with the, uh... A very special man.
1: Something fucking fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can't
1: wait for it. I can't wait for it. All right. So here are some here's some cool feedback we got. Um this is actually one kind of a shout out to uh one of my students, um, or former students. He just graduated. Um they, they wrote like letters to teachers like that they had kind of inspiration from. And this is pretty funny. It says, uh, thank you for showing me Brave Murder Day. The record literally changed the way I hear music.
2: <laughs> so <it's pretty> <laughs> Love it. Um, but
1: This is from Dave Hobson. He says, I have to share this here as no one I know will appreciate it. I just drove alone 11 hours round trip to see Voyavod for the first time live. Holy fucking shit. It's absurd how good and fun these guys live were. Um, Yeah. Anyways, uh, I thought there was something else that was on there about Requiem. Okay. But Dave's one of our, our patrons, so he was just sharing that. Um, let's see.
0: Uh, about her always uh, anytime please. they're near you, go see them, they're great. Yeah.
1: Uh, all right, Nolan Bradley. Um, I just rolled credits on the recent episode. This is the Rebel Girls episode, and honestly, when it was announced, I wasn't sure how invested I would be since it was new territory for me. But that couldn't have been a more informative, engaging ride that brought me in almost immediately. There was quite a trajectory to the Rebel Girl Riot Girl scene that I was never aware of as a scene movement. I uh, slash scene slash movement. I'd only ever caught wind of it. Well, after the fact, and very minimally at that, a lot of bands here I was never aware of or only knew about simply by name, such as L7 or Sonic Youth, or peripherally through hits, the Go-Go's Vacation or Blondie's Heart of Glass, none of the heavier work. Honestly, the only band covered I had any connection was Hole, and even they debuted a bit before my time. Celebrity Skin was a big release for me growing up. I was either twelve or thirteen when it released, and I even got caught shoplifting shop a copy of it to <laughs> my local store. <laughs> I believe,
2: that also, yeah, I believe that was awful.
1: Yeah, believe that was the first time I ever felt shame for music choice too. Uh, <laughs> he said, uh, growing up in a small town, everyone at school heard about it, and the next day, one of the things to ask uh, folks first went with: "Of all the CDs to steal, why would you go with Hole?" <laughs> Uh pretty funny. He says, love that you guys really went outside the music choice too. Uh oh, so love that you guys really went outside the norm with this episode is I found it to be a lot of fun. Give me an opportunity to revisit some bands I haven't thought much about over the years, as well as some new ones to check out and at least see what they were all about. As always, appreciate the work you guys put into this. You all never disappoint. Thanks. Um
0: Thank you. I, I also um Lisa was telling me about some people were talking about the the whole. Stuff on the episode that I completely missed, but oh, yeah, that everybody was like surprised or
1: oh, yeah, I think I have that somewhere in here. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to yeah, it. I'm kind of scrolling through different things.
2: Uh, like
0: see. of all the things, are we gonna get whole episode? Like, yeah probably not, but you know, we're, we're always honest on our opinions and how we feel about yeah. stuff.
2: That was pretty,
1: pretty fun. All right, I'll go to the top of this. shit Okay, come on. Download messages here. Um. Oh, Andreas, he's got definitely some things to say. So Andreas actually <laughs> sent us like a tip. Uh, he sent us some money, and he says Susie Quattro is my first patch. Seventy-five minutes in, I can already tell this episode will be on the pantheon of the best ones. Uh, he says, "P.S. The best Patreon comment costs you another forty dollars." So <laughs> we buttered him up. Apparently. Um, and then the number
0: one, back. right? Yeah, patron number one.
1: Yeah, uh, Kyle Doman, one of our patrons, says, I got lucky you released this episode when you did. My wife was actually okay with this and interested in listening to it in our drive from Texas to Iowa. They give us quite <laughs> a few things to discuss along the way. And I wrote, Requiem is all about bringing families and spouses and long-lost friends together. So
0: And, and driving cross-country.
1: That's it. That's cross-country yeah. driving. Uh, Jordan Bondo uh, has a couple comments. Uh, this is one about Venom. Uh, he says, man, it's been a while since I posted anything. It's been busy. It says, first Venom, thanks for that. One of you said you originally didn't really give them much attention early on because Welcome to Hell it sounded like shit. I'm in the same boat. My first exposure, and here's something I share with Jordan, this is pretty interesting. Uh My first exposure then was the Witching Hour cover on Slayer's Live Intrusion, VHS. I love Slayer and Machine Head a lot uh, uh, at the time, so when I learned that was a Venom song, I checked that album out and it sucked okay it doesn't (laughs) suck i was like 14 at the time and it didn't sound like slayer machine head so it sucked i went back and listened to those albums after listening to the episodes and venom definitely doesn't suck I'm working through the Entombed episode. I know I've been editing and reposting stuff to the new podcast feed, but I'm a little behind on actually listening to the episodes. Uh, there was a comment about people's entry points to bands being very different. American versus uh, Metal Blade era Slayer being an example. I think my introduction to Slayer was a live intrusion video. Divine Intervention was out at the time, so that's what I really tied into. I worked my way backward from there and loved everything. I was just learning guitar. Hang on. Uh, I was just learning guitar at the time, so it made my mission to learn every Slayer song I, or I made it my mission to learn every Slayer song I could. I would go down to the music store and just play Slayer songs in the back. My friend's mom was a manager there, so they actually let me hang out and do whatever. That's actually how I got hooked up with the guy in one of my bands. The bassist worked there and asked me to come to practice. I know a lot of people don't like that album and I really don't care for much after that album, but I still really like it. I'm listening to it right now. Thanks again the new window into a band i knew about but didn't pay attention to uh, so
2: yeah
0: thank you most Jordan. people didn't care about what divine i think yeah i love divine but i, I, I like divine in retrospect when it first came out i thought it was crap yeah but uh i, can see that. It, I, I compare like I, I i hold it up there as you know fairly high now as yeah, far as their yeah. you know their later career goes yeah i
1: agree
0: i, agree. I mean that was the it's first my Slayer favorite paul Bastaff record
1: yeah yeah no it's uh, yeah that's yeah, that's a pretty easy
0: choice for
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't mind like half of God hates us all, and probably like uh, a third of Diablos I really like. But is yeah, he on that,
0: God hates us all?
1: Pretty sure. I think Dave comes back for Christ's illusion. So,
0: I, Christ, I, yeah, I think Christ's illusion is a that's I'd like to do a a show on. I think just on that record, it's great. Yeah, because I mean, like that you know the one... the last like classic Slayer lineup too. It's a I think it's a I really thought, great record. I thought Dave was on the next one what was the next one
1: uh the one from like 2010 2011 um why can't I think of I've it? only world got pa-
0: one Slayer tattoo that's mixed in with everything else so you you should know the lineup dude
1: I think it's world painted blood is... world Pain
0: at blood's decent but I think I thought Dave was on that he is so many... he is on that okay. okay that's the one where Larry Carroll came back too I think yeah yeah so it was like every everything but yeah I, I mean yeah. they're both they're both fun so they're pretty fun yeah for like again a late late era band
1: so um here's andreas omg i love you guys i adore this band (laughs) top three show in my life faith no more and l7 in a club in barcelona danita punched a guy less than five feet away from me and mike patton wore my t shirt he asked the audience to throw him their t-shirts and I was the fastest one. He, he did the flex. Muscles. <laughs> so, yes. I got so excited by seeing the L7 pick that I totally missed the babes in Toyland one amazing band cat fucking rules and Laurie Barbaro kicked ass. I'm pretty sure the two records I listened to the most in 1992, 93 were dirt and fontanel PS2 from a different era and a more punk oriented approach, but a very similar attitude. Betty blowtorch were phenomenal. Are you man enough? Uh, is among my favorite records of the century and hell on wheels is one of my most kick-ass um, album openers ever recorded RIP Bianca I don't think I, I've heard of Betty Blowtorch I don't think I've ever heard them before have you
0: no I don't I don't I don't believe so yeah
1: he says, PS3 and last, before starting the listen, I want to state for the record that if you guys also cover the Gits in the episode, I'll wear a t shirt with both your faces for an entire month. <laughs> and I set up a picture of both our faces as like a because he didn't know the Gits were coming. So, yeah, there you go.
2: <laughs> there
1: you go. Uh, Terry Corbin said just wrapped up the episode fantastic as always mad props to jess for picking such a stellar pair of bands mark jason you were both as wonderful as always in your coverage and commentary thanks uh to all three of you kick-ass humans possibly the interest in anyone that enjoyed this the band scowl i have to check them out um yeah i don't know scowl not um, yep so um and then andreas comes back later with a later comment and says the gets dot 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 he says in my line of work you can't afford to make empty promises stay tuned for upcoming videos <laughs> starting the mark rudolph jason hundy themed t-shirt so it's pretty funny i mean
0: if you're if you're a gambler you gotta, yeah, you, gotta you gotta settle it. up on your debts yeah, yeah.
1: And then apparently you had some comment in the episode, I guess, maybe he says, I dislike what Pantera represents as much as Mark does, but since I wouldn't have to suffer through the research and recording of a five to six hour episode, I malignantly hope there's a big push for
0: a Pantera <laughs> Requiem rendition. <laughs> well, I was, uh, I, I think I talked about, it would be great to do pre like up to Cowboys, Cowboys from hell
1: yeah it might be that because some
0: good. of that stuff i think uh you know power metal and so i think some of that stuff oh, is very interesting to me fun.
1: yeah for sure yeah,
0: i think cowboys is a good record yeah after I, that i, I think it, it it loses something for me as i age it's it's like too aggro for my own i i trust that for sure. um so we got something this you sent me uh and this
1: came in after we recorded rebel girls um but it's from anthony uh papalardo and, um, he says, hi, I'm an extreme latecomer to the pod and have been power jamming episode after episode. I'm writing because I really appreciate the context you provide outside of metal itself. And recently I was listening to the Fu Manchu deep dive and thought this exemplified your approach to talk about car culture in Southern California. Oh yeah. I've also written some books on subculture. So this is my wheelhouse. But most importantly, you discuss irony and appropriation, and that really resonated. Being almost 50, I saw what the Beastie Boys did or Fu Manchu's work as simply going back to what you missed and looking at what's funny, cool, weird, and interesting about it and repackaging it through a modern lens. You could say Sleep did that as well, and Shit and Film, the Tarantino reference, is spot on. What I had to hit you about is... That what I first noticed about movies such as Superbad or emo bands appropriating hair metal tropes and how the rebirth of the 90s and even indie sleaze is that people are doing the same thing and that they're digging back a decade or two, but they aren't doing anything interesting with the references. I, I wouldn't disagree. Yeah, no. Everything is just, wow, that's funny. If anything, they're taking 90s emo or indie and making it more commercial. And in the scope of movies, they're copying the photocopy by repeating other filmmakers without having any connection to it. Yeah, that's that's good insight. Um, anyways, what I love about Fu Manchu, they package all the shit I thought was cool about the 70s and missed and the nostalgia of the 80s with humor, wit, and skill. And thank you to the podcast for getting me thinking and most importantly, Sparked. Take care. Sweet, thank
0: you. Thank you. Yeah, I I would prefer you not refer to us as a pod, (laughs) because that has nothing to do with that. That's just my own, you know. Gotcha. My own thing. Like the, it's a. If anything, it's a cast or it's a. But a pod is either something like that somebody lives inside or a derogatory term for a dick. Uh, But a podcast, we're, we're more we're a cast. The pod part doesn't really. It's funny that people adopted that as like that was the technology that delivered it (laughs) but it's it's no longer with us and people decide to use that but we like uh, i appreciate the content
1: yeah so just call it cast right would be the the short
0: yeah i mean we're basically like a glorified we're a radio show without a network
1: yeah that's it that's us
0: yeah you know like we're we're there's no pod involved anymore
1: and I did hear from from Jess. She was very proud of the episode. I didn't uh, screenshot her comment that she had originally kind of sent to me or whatever, but she was really happy with how it, kind of how it turned out. Um, I heard from a couple other people too. Um, Luke Walker, one of my good friends, who's just kind of moved back from Taiwan. I kind of asked him. I said, you know, as a as a history teacher, as a guy that teaches kind of controversial issues and tries to like contextualize things in a way that's appropriate. I said how did Mark and I kind of handle sort of a difficult subject matter? He said for two straight white dudes, you, we did about as best as humanly possible. So I, I took that as like a good compliment in terms of dealing with like feminist issues and, and things like that. So no. um, that made me happy. Um, and then one last comment. Uh, this just came in a couple of days ago from Jordan Bondo. He says, finally finished the rebel girls episode. Man, that was an adventure. I knew most of the groups you guys talked about and played for the most part, but I have to admit, it's pretty funny. I had L7 confused with Drain STH. I was hey, that's, dead sure.
0: That's okay. I think uh, Tony Omi married the late the that's, from that's, Drain that's STH.
1: What yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I was dead sure that when you got into talking about them and playing their songs, I'd recognize it a lot more. I didn't. So I had to go on a little trip of my own and figure out who the hell I was thinking of. I just kind of accidentally stumbled across horror wrestling scrolling through my library and realized that's who I was thinking of. I remember being really into them in the 90s, probably because we were so into Alice in Chains. Fun fact, the vocalist of Drain STH, Maria Stoholm, is married to Tony Iommi. Uh, so there you go. I didn't I didn't even remember
0: very very happily for well I've I, I knew that because of um I read his autobiography like four years oh, ago or
1: something. Okay, there you go. Um I don't remember them getting a mention during the episode. So if anyone wants Alice in Chain's dirt but with chicks, give that a listen. All right, let's check it out. I, I remember them, but I think I thought they were new metal, maybe not, so like uh um, another group I was into back was Rukasal. Same with me. I like the early stuff. They kind of lost me after eight arms to hold you. And I can't say there's something I'd listen to now, but I remember hearing them at the time and kind of recognizing them as another group of girls who were rocking along with the guys. So thank you, Jordan. Appreciate that.
0: Absolutely.
2: So,
1: yeah. Good feedback. And like I said, all, nothing but positives. I heard I didn't hear too many critiques at all. If Nobody. Kn- I
0: didn't get called out for being a hater. Yeah. At all. No,
1: I mean, I think there was one, I, I'll have to find it, but like there was somebody else in our feed. And this is probably what Lisa was kind of talking about who came to the same conclusion that you did. They were like, I, I recognized like going back, like how much I actually liked whole and that surprised the shit out of me. <laughs> like it was, it was like kind of fascinating. And uh, it was funny. I was talking to Luke about this too, about like, you know, why we were kind of pitted that way. And he says like, he, you know, growing. He grew up in like where I teach, Armada, and he says like he knew that he wasn't supposed to like hole that it wasn't cool as a dude to like hole. So he just kind of hated hole without really ever like listening to them almost or whatever, or like
2: mm-hmm.
1: just kind of like caught like a couple like clips of Courtney Love and just kind of formed his opinions based on that. And I've been there, I've done that as well. Sure, he just, he just said it was really interesting, like the context that like you can be like pitted against something that like you should probably like. But, like you know, I don't know. we said we just had an interesting conversation about it anyways so that's anyways. the
0: that's the system trying to push you into corners you don't need to be in that's
1: it, man that's it just the fucking, the man trying to like hold what you down. like
0: man don't that's listen it. to government or authority do what you want exactly. to do <laughs>
1: yep that's what uh, Tom angel Ripper would do so exactly we'll, we'll actually hear from Tom angel Ripper one last time mark uh, before we hear this trio of tunes so but anyways we've uh we've you know we've we 've gabbed enough so let's uh let's go out in flames here uh with some Sodom and Gomorrah some Nick Maronite uh Land, um and the harpooner from uh, Genesis 19. so uh welcome to international Thrash we are here we have finally arrived and we will be here on and off uh for for the foreseeable future with mixing in some uh other non-thrash related things and uh it should be fun so um yeah. So enjoy some Tom Angel Ripper and uh, if you want to become a patron or get a hold of us we just uh, give you all those fun ways to do so. So for Sodom, uh the comeback part 2, I am Jason.
0: And uh Never Again, tapping the vein, I'm Mark. So
1: I guess as we kind of wrap up and you look back on these 35 years, you know, what do you want the legacy of Sodom to be both as a band and as part of like the German metal history? You know, like when they yeah. write the the story of german metal what do you want it to to say about sodom i suppose
3: i think sodom you know i don't know sodom is still a part of a german medicine or international medicine you know and it makes me proud you know because um you know i think it's a result of hard working and you know? i'm working every day on this project you know and um i don't know there are so many other bands around, you know, who are really successful. You know, the German scene is getting really big nowadays, you know. It's getting some, sometimes it's getting out of control because hundreds of bands coming out every month, you know, but Sodom is still a strong part of it. You know, and Sodom is a cult band, you know, it's, I don't want to compare it to Motorhead, you know, but, um, Sodom, when we're going to play shows nowadays, you know, we are sold out every, every time. You know because it makes me proud, you know yeah <clears throat> but you know it's just a result of hardworking working you know it's just because we really like what we do you know we we gotta do the music we do the music for the fans and for ourselves not for record companies you know sure yeah and so what i got to talk to the fans you know we are no rock stars you know we are just metal fans making music for a while you know yeah but coming back you know when we're doing a show We always want to do meet and greet or signing sessions, you know, or giving something back to the fans, you know. That is very important, and that is something a lot of bands forget. It's around me, you know. There are big rock stars, you know, and this is what I hate, you know. Well
1: said. Well said, absolutely. So um, anything else to add, Tom, to the story of German Thrash or the story of Sodom or the story of Venom uh, before we go?
3: I think the story of Sodom... Yeah, I'm, I want you know, what my, my dream is writing a book about it, you know. But I have need more time to do it, you know. But I can tell without Venom, I wouldn't be here, you know. That is something I really know, because Venom was the biggest inspiration doing this, you know. And I want to think to Kronos, you know. Maybe I I met him sometimes, you know, and he's not really interested in talking about music, you know. It's like when he would talk with Lemmy, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, you cannot talk about music, you know, he's really interested in what other bands do, you know. But um, Kronos, for me, he was God, you know. Yeah. Awesome. And some people hate Kronos, you know, I, I know that, you know. And I said, without Kronos, the metal scene, also the German metal scene would be completely different, in my opinion.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. So, so then I give, always give a lot of respect to him, to this guy.